And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, it's the Civilized Barking Podcast. Um, I don't know, not emergency edition, special edition, I guess. Um, Jason's technically on vacation. I'm a day from vacation. You guys don't care about that. Um, The Browns are supposed to be on vacation. We know what hangs over everything they do. We know they signed up for all that. But on Wednesday, they traded Baker Mayfield. Um, It's the official end of an era. It's the um, final divorce papers on an ugly but inevitable breakup that's drug back. I guess those things drag out. Um, Jason, if I could hit the high, high note right now, I'd sing a little Boys to Men. It's so hard to say goodbye. Um, but you know, like it, it's just so weird because of the environment with the Browns, the big decision coming, and this was inevitable. But this is still newsworthy. This is still important. In closing that chapter, um, you look around the league, and anytime a quarterback move is made, it's significant. It's newsworthy. It's potentially significant, and maybe really significant. Um, and perhaps the best part of them all, as I s- s- finish up this unprepared ramble. The Browns play the Carolina Panthers in week one, and there's a darn good chance that Baker Mayfield will be the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Baker Mayfield versus Jacoby Brissett, just how we all saw it coming uh, in in Pittsburgh when they walked off the field in the season, right? Like our excellent producer called it a an obit of sorts, and I think that's accurate. This is we're writing the final chapter, finally, of the Baker Mayfield era in Cleveland. Uh, I'm a little surprised it's Carolina only because – and you say, well, of course it's Carolina. It's been a slam dunk choice all along. Yes, that's true. But so many times in in trade talks and all that, when something is rumored for this long, when it looks as obvious as this, rarely does it actually happen. And so that's why when it, when it came down to that, I thought, oh, okay. You know, it, this time it actually, you know, common sense prevailed. And it made sense for both sides. Uh, Baker is gone. And it's really... It's so there's a million different places where we could start this. And, you know, I, I think it's worth setting aside as much as we can the Deshaun stuff just for a moment and look at Baker just as a whole of Baker and the Browns and 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 where he ranks with Browns quarterbacks. And this this is a really low bar since 99, obviously. But it's funny, and this may be an odd place to to start this conversation, but I was thinking about Tim Couch earlier today and and Tim is so gracious and, and the way that he talks about the Browns he's involved with them uh, I've talked to him a number of times on the ultimate Cleveland sports show that I do occasionally he's a recurring guest there and you know I and, and, and to me you know Tim's a guy who could be bitter and angry toward the Browns for the way his career went they gave him absolutely no help around him and he had he has every right to feel like he got screwed by the organization, and he's taken the high road time and time again. 
and loves being part of the Browns. And Baker was not screwed by the Browns, but he thinks he was. And I just wonder, Zach, I don't think 20 years from now, Baker's going to be doing Browns preseason pot, preseason television shows and, and part <laughs> of the Browns family. You know, but it just it struck me as, as two guys who do have a little bit of a link and that they were number one overall picks. The career didn't go the way that certainly we thought that it would go. And, and how gracious Tim has been in handling it when he really did get screwed. And I'm, I'm just curious to see. I, I just wonder what the relationship will be like between Baker and the Browns 20 years from now. Well, Baker claims he hasn't been on social media since January. Uh, we know he so hasn't he been on the He may not even know road. he got traded. He may not know he got traded. <laughs> we know he hasn't been on the high road very often at all. Um, that's his thing, right? Like, salty Baker Mayfield has been a good Baker Mayfield, but it's been Baker Mayfield. It's like who he is, right? He never yeah. met a fight he didn't like. That was exhausting to the Browns. Um, and ultimately, he did get fired for not – being excellent at his job, right? Um, but before that time, he played a central role, both outwardly, which he is, and inwardly, um, in orchestrating a pretty important turnaround. You know, the start of this run that obviously the team believes is still going, the start of building this roster that you know a lot of people believe is good enough, that just a year ago it looked like he was the guy and this roster was good enough and all was great. All joy in Mudville, right? And now he plays for Carolina for a conditional fifth-round pick at taking a pay cut, and the Browns pay 60% of the salary. Like, it's weird. It's the NFL. Um, The premise of my column was that someday Baker should be in the Legends Club, the Cleveland Browns Legends, however you want to frame it. And that I don't know that he would ever come back. (laughs) You know, that – that this this has been an odd breakup, starting with the fact that Baker found out about the Browns pursuing Deshaun Watson the same way we did on the internet. Hmm, I thought you weren't on social media. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, this 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 is a lot, and it's been a lot. Um, to his credit, he has maintained a low profile. He did one really bad and bland podcast interview. Other than that, has not been seen. Right, presumably healthy, checked out. Um, you know the Browns and opened the lines of communication between Baker and the Panthers. I was assuming they opened the lines of checking on the shoulder. What have you been doing? How ready are you physically and mentally? Um, and, and here he goes. So now in about three weeks, he goes to camp with the Carolina Panthers and all signs would indicate because his competition is Sam Darnold and Matt Corral, that he'll be starting against the Cleveland Browns in Charlotte on the second weekend of September. And that's just pretty fun. It's just that's just fun. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to uh, a member of the organization back around the time of the Deshaun trade went down, and and basically the gist was: imagine if and, and listen. I want to preface this by saying, and I think I've said this on the podcast time and time again. People made way too big of a deal about the shoulder injury. Way too big of a deal. Guys play hurt all the time. Quarterbacks too. And we can go down the list of, of guys who played through injuries and did make as big a spectacle of it as is what was made over the Baker shoulder injury. But let's just say for the sake of argument, if Baker sits after the Texans game, after he gets hurt against the Texans, who's the quarterback today in Cleveland? It's Baker Mayfield. If he sits after Arizona, I would argue he's the quarterback today. 
And well, now I want to argue. Now I want to argue with you, but I'm going to let you go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Argue because tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. And I just feel like I just feel like the way that the season unfolded, the way everything unraveled, the way that he sort of dealt with the adversity of it all played into this decision. And had that not happened over the second week, the second half of the season, I'm not sure we're here today. You disagree? Well, we will not know, obviously, if you are wrong. But I usually am. The way in which the Browns pursued Deshaun Watson, the costs that they were ultimately willing to pay for Deshaun Watson, and the fact that they looked at the Deshaun Watson thing more of a once in X amount of years opportunity to get a player who's one of X amount of quarterbacks in the league, which Baker clearly is not, was not, was not going to be, and the Browns did not offer him a contract last year tells me that they still very well could have pursued this. I think our conversations back to October last year say that that was always something that they were going to agree and something I thought they were going to do. I just didn't think they would ever actually come over the bridge to this. Um, And we will, before we're done with this, talk about the bridges that they may have not realized were on the other side of the island. But um, they were always, I think, going to be intrigued with that. I think they had a pretty clear picture of what Baker was. Um, you know, as I wrote in my column today, Jason, there were some people who always believed the the brashness and the bravado and the attitude were great and that they were a real part of his game and his makeup and that, that he could do it. Some people believed he was a six-foot ticking time bomb, right? Um, some people believed that, you know, he was up and down because of the change, constant change with the Browns and forcing the ball to Odell Beckham, and once he settled in and was healthy, was was always going to have a chance never to be a top six quarterback, but to be a good enough quarterback. And some people believed that he was always a mediocre or barely average talent with a bad attitude, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on all these things, maybe there's both sides. But I think, given what we know now, and given that it looks like that the GM and maybe the um, whatever Deep Podesta's title is of the Browns said, well, we know the Haslam's will, will go for this. Let's let's go for this and get to Sean Watson. I don't think you can say that Baker would have necessarily been the quarterback of the Browns had he shut it down after week six. Well, and, and maybe that leads into this. Maybe it doesn't. But it's, it's you know, after the Deshaun trade, I spent a little bit of time trying to just dig drill down on, like, when did this unravel with Baker? When did this fall apart? Because, Zach, you and I sat there in the press box in Pittsburgh, and I wrote after that game, that, to me, looked like Baker's final game in a Browns uniform. And it turns out that was true. Um, but it, it was it was such a jarring, startling game to watch where he just got absolutely cooked. And it looked like he had no time to throw. He had no protection at all in front of him. I wrote and said multiple times it felt like Stefanski was trying to send a message to, to, to Baker of, Okay, this is what you want. Here you go. And there was just something about that game that just felt so off to me. And and, and to, to be where we were in Kansas City, to where we were in Pittsburgh, was just such a stark contrast. And and like how how did it unravel as quickly? And and I still don't have the answer to that. And you know, I've asked around with some people, and basically the response was like. You know, there really wasn't one thing or there wasn't two things. And, you know, you had mentioned to me, um, you know, Kevin missed a meeting with Baker and and that didn't sit well with Baker. And he thought if he should be the, if he was going to be the play caller, he should have been in all the meetings. 
And I kind of poked around on that. And, and there was a meeting that Kevin missed. There was a Monday meeting Kevin missed. And I'm going to write about this in, in when I get around to writing. I think I'm going to Summer League. To, nobody cares. But I'm going to Summer League tomorrow. And when I land in Vegas, I'm going to write all this out in the column, I think. But, uh, you know. Kevin no, people do care meeting. for one. And two, people think that a lot of people spend a lot of time just sit around waiting for the next thing to argue about with the Browns online. And we appreciate you listening. <laughs> so, but people so, do care. So, well, I mean, nobody cares that I'm going to Vegas tomorrow. Yeah. Nobody cares about that, but I'm throwing it anyway. Um, and, and so there was a meeting that Kevin missed. It was the Monday after, I believe it was the New England game, where Miles Garrett set, kind of lashed out on the uh, lack of adjustments. Zach, help me. Do so I have the right game there? Is that yes, when Miles? They, yes. That was so, the crash landing after we're back and Baker's healthy in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. That got undressed in New England, yes. So Kevin met with Miles that Monday to sort of just go over his comments a little bit. So he did miss a meeting with Baker. And then uh, it's my understanding, you know, there he never missed another one after that. Kevin didn't miss any meetings after that. It was almost a careful what you wish for because he, he coached Baker even harder in some of those Monday meetings and some of those film sessions and, and as it went. But there was really not one moment or one breaking point of the relationship between Kevin and Baker or Baker and the organization, Baker and Andrew Barry, however you, however you want to phrase it. It just, it, I just think it's as simple of an explanation is it became evident over the course of the season. He wasn't good enough. I wrote it after the Kansas city game. He's got to be better. And people went crazy and said, how can you say that? Well, look at it. Look at when they actually needed him, when they needed him at money time, the game on the line, Ball on the 20, 80 yards to go. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It may not have been exactly the 20. You got to drive length of the field in two minutes to win a game at Arrowhead. He couldn't do it. And time 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 again, he couldn't do it. And the stats back it up. And I think it just it's really just that simple that the, it's what you said. The Browns had an opportunity to go out and get a better quarterback. And so they fired the guy that they had who had a year left on his deal. And they went out and got a better quarterback. And trust me, I wish there was something juicier than that. I wish there was... I, I wish, and maybe there isn't, we just haven't found it yet, but it's just for it to turn as quickly as it has, for it to unravel as quickly as it has, normally there's a pretty good backstory that goes with it almost every time. And if that's the case this time, I just haven't found it yet. Well, the first Pittsburgh game was on Halloween, and it was two days ahead of the trade deadline. And so the first Pittsburgh game comes, it's awful. Um, the Browns are awful. Still had a chance there at the end, but they scored 10 points. Right, they got beat. And then the trade deadline, the next day, the Deshaun Watson and the Dolphins did their last dance, right? Yep. Details of which we found out later about settlements and all of that stuff, and they didn't. So that week, the Browns started sizing it up. And then the New England game would have been only three weeks later, maybe two weeks later, right? Because the Browns had that bounce back. Odell quit the team after the Steelers game. Everybody's seen the video where he walks right by Baker on the sideline. Then he quits the team and the Browns go to Cincinnati and suddenly Baker's healthy and they're world beaters again. And the cancer's out of the locker room and all of that. Then they go to New England and they get completely undressed. Offense, defense, coach it, quarterback, best player, 53rd player, just get totally schooled. And the rest of the season, Jason, the defense uses that as its rallying cry and plays like a top five defense the rest of the way. And the offense goes further into the shitter than it was before. Right. And, um, you know, reading that now, obviously we have the hindsight, but it didn't really manifest itself publicly until that 
the second Pittsburgh game and the Monday night game. And it was like, hey, this guy's going on IR tomorrow and he's not going in the building again. And I said it on here to you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And we wrote it. Um, now, they, they didn't know. And they even went about this the strategy of saying to people without directly saying it. We are having Baker back. We are running this thing back because they didn't know if they were going to get Deshaun Watson. But when they got on that plane, um, they broke up with Baker. They were fine doing that. They they knew that. And, you know, Baker released his first goodbye letter to the Browns even <laughs> before the trade was officially made. Right? Because yep. the Thursday came and Watson told the Browns no. So, you know, in summation, it was a really bad year at a really bad time. And there was clearly a bad dynamic. And I hate to do this because guys, there is nothing stupider in NFL speak in pro sports speak in Twitter sports, fandom writer, obsessor, better anything speak than team statements. Cause they're carefully crafted and they're bullshit. They're not made by the person they're made with no feeling. Right. But when the Browns put out statements today by the Haslam's by Andrew Barry and not by Kevin Stefanski, that told you everything that needed to be said by Kevin Stefanski. That's a good point. I never even really thought of it that way. I'm just, I'm just marinating on that. Cause I just, I, I mean, like you said, I was on vacation and I kind of looked at my phone and said, Oh, Baker's traded. Okay. And put my phone down and went about my day and coach a little league game and really haven't given it a ton of thought now until we're doing this podcast here, but that's a good point. Yeah. And, and, and look, um, to sum it up, Baker brought the juice here man. like, the stuff I've seen with this team, and we talk about it sometimes, but the stuff I've seen in the city and in the stadium, stadiums, um, there's nothing like that Thursday night first win. And that was a lot of frustration coming out. That was a that was the end of a, a long slump, right? But there was a Zach, real we both there. we both walked down that ramp in awe yeah. that night of yeah. the of the people falling out of the stadium, the beer fridges opening. It really felt like this was it. And yeah. I remember I remember the clickety-clack of Jim Brown's cane in the locker room after that game and the smile on Jim's face as he crossed the locker room and said, we got a quarterback. Like, we finally got a quarterback. Yeah. And to go from there to where we are now. Whew. Right. Well, that, that belief carried over. You know, they, they canned Hugh and, and Todd Haley on the same day. Uh, Freddie and Baker got hot. Um, there was the feeling dangerous game. There was the amazing all-time throw in that stadium to Jarvis Landry in the Carolina game. You know, they, they rode it all the way um, to that last game where they were still alive. And um, Baker's first good year ended with not being able to get a first down in Baltimore at, at the end of the game, right? And then 2019 yep. was a disaster, and it was not all Baker's fault. It was Freddie. It was Odell. It was everything. Um, that season ended in Cincinnati with Baker throwing about six interceptions and cussing out a stadium worker in the hallway yep. like the petulant child that he always was, right? Yep. Then 2020 came. And we didn't have an offseason, and the malpractice um, of the Cleveland Browns handling of their number one pick quarterback continued with new system, new backup quarterback, new quarterback coach, new everything, right, and no offseason program. And Kevin coached the first eight games of that year um, like he didn't trust his quarterback, and he didn't. And no one will say that Baker was the biggest reason or that Baker was a world beater, but, man, he played well in, like, weeks 10 to 16 you know, all the way through. And no one will say that the Browns made the playoffs against Pittsburgh's JV team or destroyed the Steelers that night because of Baker. It was the defense and Ben's lack of effort and everything else. But that ball went where it needed to go. 
And the Browns needed to make plays in that game to stem the tide, and he did it. And then Baker's second great season ended the next week in Kansas City. Yes, the defense let him down, but they had the ball at the end. And what happened, Jason? Didn't get it done. Didn't get it done. And and here's where I, I, I'll just be completely fair. You, you're right about Arrowhead, and you're right about what and this followed. But I thought that first game in Arrowhead, especially because the Odell drama had started and – you know, the pressure was on the Browns with that remade defense, all those guys playing for the first time. Like, pre-injury, I thought he played lights out that day. Until until the last he two did. Minutes, of course. He did. Absolutely. He had a phenomenal first half. But phenomenal. I just thought the confidence level, the body language, the way the ball came out, the way it was placed. Playing with Anthony Schwartz, you know, Jarvis, Najoku, right? Like, I just thought that was – Awesome. And then, of course, in the next week, not only did Baker get hurt, Jarvis got hurt, and that was a big deal. But we already went over the Pittsburgh game to the New England game. There was Andrew Barry being completely full of shit, saying we expect to see Baker's last five games be his best. We didn't see that. COVID was a part of it. He missed a week of practice, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that Green Bay game was as poorly as a quarterback Awful. could play, except that he followed up the next Monday with an even worse game, his last <laughs> game in a Cleveland Browns uniform. And so – um, you saw good, you saw bad, and regardless of what the excuses are, and we've been over, and a lot of them are legitimate. Um, when the answer is good but not good enough, the translation is not good enough, and the Browns have moved on. And I truly believe he should one day be honored by the team. I truly believe he played a big part for, you know, however long that that however long he played a huge part is debatable. But, man, there were some strong performances, even grading on a real scale, not against the low bar here, right? And this is a team that finally it's about winning and losing, guys. It's not about collecting mid-round picks and cap space. It's about winning and losing. This is a team that finally won in the back half of 2020, and at that time the quarterback was on top of his game and was playing at a completely different level than at any time he had played in since late in his rookie season. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think Baker could go on and have a fine career for himself. He could play. He's going to stick around and play another ten years in this league, and I think he could do just fine. He can make a lot of money. I don't know if he's going to make three hundred fifty million on a deal, but he can make a lot of money in this league, and can have a very nice career for himself. Uh, it's just not going to be in Cleveland, and this is a team trying to win a Super Bowl. And we've said it a hundred times on this podcast. I think the Browns looked around the AFC, and they saw all the quarterbacks that they got to go against, and realized. Their, their guy just wasn't good enough to compete with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and on and on and down the line. And, and so they made the move, and it's really that simple. And there's a lot of dirt and grease and grime that comes with it right now. And we'll wait and see how the rest of this unfolds and where this goes and if he's out a year, if he's out eight games, what it is, if the NFL overturns the ruling. There's still so much we don't know Uh I tend to think it's going to be, you know, I think it's pretty obvious it's going to be Baker Mayfield versus Jacoby Brissett, barring something else unforeseen, which this has already been such a wild offseason. Who knows? Uh, but it's just, 
I don't know. I'm rambling now. It's a strange saga, and yeah, it's a it strange is. place that we've landed. No, I, I really feel like we could go for three hours, and I feel like we could stop now because we've said almost everything that's needed to be said, right? Yeah. Um, about that, uh, in terms of what it's going to be and, and how it's going to go, you know, it, it does seem that it'll be that. Um, I don't know how Baker will play it publicly, and that stuff's on the outside, right? Um, you know, maybe he'll get his digs in if he's being his true self and feeling himself like he's known to do in training camp. Did I tell the story about last year's training camp on this pod or not, Jason? I don't believe so, no. Okay, so last year, we're in the dog days of camp. The Giants come in to the Browns, and Baker comes up to give his uh, his presser. And the Giants writers are there. And, you know, basically, we still had COVID restrictions. So it's not like everything was on Zoom, but there was no, like, inter- you weren't mingling with these guys. You weren't getting one-on-ones. You weren't hanging around the locker room. You were waiting for guys to come out, and Baker goes first. It's general, It's common practice. The quarterback goes first. And he gives this dazzling interview. And these Giants Raiders are like jaws on the ground. No exaggeration, right? <laughs> like, is this guy like this all the time? And I just walked up to you. You were standing on the left side. I was standing on the right side. We were watching this dazzling 15-minute performance. And I just went up to you and I said, that is also fake. (laughs) You did. That's a true story. That's a true story. And shortly, you know, I, I I guess I would just present the case that, and this isn't even going out of my way to be fair to Baker. Like, the injury affected him. And it obviously altered the trajectory of the franchise and his career. And I agree with you 100% that I will not be surprised if he goes on to have a career. I don't know about 10 years because I don't know about his body breaking down and all that stuff. It will not surprise me one bit if he is successful this year in Carolina, as in playing well, 63% completions, and Carolina's in the playoff race in December 15th. Like that, That will not stun me. Now, it will stun me if Carolina goes to the NFC Championship game, right? But teams weren't – Carolina was always the only real suitor here, and some of that was the timing. Free agency was over. Only Matt Ryan was left. Jimmy G was taken out by this shoulder that still has the uncertainty there. right? But teams didn't want him because of this other stuff, because you can't go after your teammates publicly, because you have to be presidential as a quarterback, and you have to be yourself. And if anybody ever tells Baker to be totally neutered and not snipe back at people and not show that he's angry or act like that he's – you know, happy-go-lucky and everything's great, then they're not going to get the real Baker Mayfield, right? But the Browns came to the point, the juice and the squeeze, right? That's the analogy. We're fine if he acts like this, but he's got to perform. And when he's not performing and he's questioning the head coach publicly and he's doing things we don't like privately and he's being a pain in the ass on social media or to the reporters or just in general to anyone in the building – then we're not dealing with it. And that word travels fast. And that, as much as anything else, is why Carolina is the one place that's given him a chance to resurrect that career. And like I said, I'm not saying it's going to go one way or the other. I mean, Carolina's a team that Browns play every four years. You know, there's not a lot of crossover in personnel or in teams. They've not been a team that's played on national TV a lot lately, right? But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. And... um. I don't know. I, I think a lot of it is up to him and his own maturity and how he wants to approach this. So that's that that really makes week one even that much more interesting. 
Never forget the Indianapolis Colts, who are, in my opinion, one of the best-run franchises in the NFL, who know something about quarterback play after Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, had the opportunity, had Baker Mayfield gift-wrapped and dropped on their front door, a quarterback entering the prime of his career, who they could have had on their roster for the next 10 years, after they've cycled through retread after retread after retread following Luck's stunning retirement. And they said, no, you know what? I think we're good with Matt Ryan, who maybe has three good years left that we could squeeze out of him, maybe, who's clearly past his prime. The Colts chose Matt Ryan over Baker Mayfield. That was jaw-dropping to me. Like, we knew, I I thought we had a pretty good handle on this and reading this whole situation and how this was going and, and what the league thought of him and but then that that confirmed it in, in one sentence. That confirmed it. The Colts could have had Baker Mayfield and said we would rather have Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan, who statistically has been awful the last couple of years, and they chose Ryan over entering his prime, Baker Mayfield. It's On a not team that has a proven offensive line and absolutely. one of the best running backs in the game. And a stout running game. And a, t- and a team, quite frankly, that's built very much like the Browns are. Right. And they said, no, we'd rather have Matt Ryan. Yeah. So for anyone who thinks that the Browns are making this massive mistake and how can you give up on six and ride with six and all that other crap, the Indianapolis Colts just told you why. Well, I don't think I'm, – I'm glad you said it like that because I don't think those people really exist. And if they do, I, they can't possibly even believe it themselves anymore. <laughs> but, you know, the, it is okay to question this because you don't know – you just traded the farm for a quarterback. You don't know if he can play. Right. <laughs> and you have a team that's ready to win. Right. So, you know, where we stand with this is it's July 6th. It's about to be July 7th by the time we complete this. Um, on July 11th, the final filings are due from last week's basically three day hearing, basically a trial, right? With the NFL, the NFLPA, Deshaun Watson, and the mutual agreed upon arbiter, the former federal judge, who's going to make the decision in this case. Um, you know, I just think, Jason, I, I don't know. And I know. There's been momentum coming out from people who are generally really plugged in to say it's the NFL is not going to get its way. It's not going to be as heavy a suspension as the NFL wanted. The NFL has been very clear, and it's leaking without officially saying things that it wants an indefinite suspension of at least a year. right? But I just think um, as we get to Friday, if there's no settlement this Friday, and this is actually going to go, and we're going to see these filings and then see a decision you know, sometime between the following Friday and whatever, um, that the NFL is going to win. Like, if the NFL doesn't settle at this point, it's because they know they're going to win. That's the way I read it. I'm not a lawyer. I could be wrong, right? But um, this still clouds everything. It clouded my column that I had to write on Baker. It clouds how the Browns approach the first week of training camp with who's getting the snaps. It's how the Browns approach everything in that Carolina game. (laughs) You know, that Pittsburgh game. Especially we've seen what we saw what happens last year when the Browns had to play the Steelers with a quarterback who wasn't good enough. It's not very pretty. It's not a very fun watch, right? So, yes, the Browns still could be favored in the first four games. Yes, the Browns still have good players in the kind of running game that can protect Jacoby Brissett and give you a chance to win and everybody coming back on the defense except for two guys, right? But, like, I don't know. And I just think the NFL is really PR conscious. The Ray Rice thing ties in. Again, the last thing anybody wants to do, including us two doing the podcast, is go down this road again. We did it last time. We've been doing it all summer. 
But I think Friday is a real key day that if there's no settlement, that I think the NFL is going to win. And I don't think that's obviously good for the Browns. And when that happens, we'll be back with another uh, emergency podcast. Or will you be on vacation? You'll be on vacation, won't you? Yeah, but because of Deshaun, I'm going to bring the microphone. I mean, yeah, as well. You kind of have to. Kind of yeah. have to. That's kind of how I'm approaching it. Yeah, kind of have to. Um, other than that day in Cincinnati where he's cussing out the guy pushing the beer cart. <laughs> and other than that day with the Giants. What's a, what's a Baker moment that stands out to you that maybe the whole world didn't see? And, and, and like I want to be clear, like there there were some good ones that the whole world saw. It's a good question. Um, you know, what comes to mind is, you know, I spent I spent four or five days in Oklahoma and Texas writing the the, the Savior has arrived, and I, I spent time on Oklahoma, on Norman's campus. I spent time with Lincoln Riley. And uh, talked to some of his former teammates and found out just how beloved he was in Norman and what a legend and what a god he is. And thought, man, Cleveland's going to love this guy. Cleveland's going to eat this guy up. And went to the Mexican restaurant where he hung out on campus all the time. And he loved the the food there and filled out an application to be a busboy. And went to his hometown and talked to his high school teachers who told about the, the girl that he offered to take to the dance, the, the because his, the, I forget the story now, the boyfriend dumped her like the day before and he said, well, I'll take her. And how he apologized for screwing around in class because his mom made him and just got to really sort of dig down and, and really kind of find out who who this guy was. And I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think he's a bad guy at all. Um, I think he's he's arrogant and he's not as good as he thinks he is. But there's a lot of people like that. But at his core, I don't think he's a bad guy. And then seeing him in the locker room and after that story ran and I never got him. I was trying to get him one on one. But that was when he was going off on Hugh after he was fired and the Browns just thought better of it and didn't want to make him available. And so I never got him for the piece, but I didn't really need him for the piece. I didn't need his voice in it. But I talked to him just afterwards and said, hey, you know, I'm the one that went down and wrote the piece on Taramara's, the, the Mexican place. And he's like, oh, I love that place. And. You know, we're talking about the chicken quesadillas there. I think it was that he loved and the margaritas and, and whatever else. It just he had he he truly did have his moments where he was just a, 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 a he sort of let his guard down. It wasn't many, but there was a few where he let his guard down and he was he could just be a normal guy. And I remember, you know, like listen, one of the things I think in my career I've done a good job of is building relationships with people. And, and I thought that was going to be the first step toward build a relationship with this guy. And it just never went the way that I thought it was going to go that day, that year, that week, whatever. And it just became evident. And, you know, it kind of went the other direction and you got to write what you see. And so we started writing you and I started writing what we saw and it didn't sit well with a lot of people. And it angered a lot of readers who thought you and I were crazy. And, and this isn't to take a victory lap it, by any means. Because no, but please I do. Get a, Let's go. Let's no, go. no, no, no. Because I get, I get a lot wrong. You know, I get sure. plenty of things wrong. No, absolutely. We all do. Right. But 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 just, it's just startling to see. I just, I think back to that, to Oklahoma and Texas, and talking to him in the locker room that day and thinking this is step one toward building a relationship and building trust and creating it. And that was the first and last conversation I had with him of any sort of merit whatsoever. And uh, it just didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. 
um, in 2018, he was as polite and as accommodating. Yeah, that's I should say that's when it was. That was his rookie yeah, year. That's right. when I went down there and did all that. Go ahead. Sorry, he was as polite off. and as accommodating to me in a handful, just a, just a small handful, but a handful of situations that didn't need to be right uh, that anybody ever has. And I just thought, hey, maybe I like this guy, you know. And the, the way they finished the, the rookie year, um, I believed. I, I did. I mean, they unlocked Brashad Perriman, for God's sake. Yep. Right? Yep. <laughs> um, you know, went to his hometown the next summer, went to the camp, watched, didn't give me an extra minute, but um, I hung around for a little while. Um, I watched what I thought was a guy being himself, you know, really um, not overwhelmed by the what was going on around him and how he's being viewed but aware of it you know really himself and and kind of always looking for a fight but having that charm you know that season went off the rails and then you know i think it got to a point i want to say this to like there were some things that were unfair to baker mayfield and people on the radio saying they were going to retire or eat shit before he got drafted and calling him a fucking midget are among those things. But yeah. when you're a big boy, Jason, you you know, like those, you have to put that beside, right? Like you covered LeBron for a long time. LeBron probably motherfucked you or motherfucked a lot of people to you over the years, right? But he oh, moved yeah. on. Sure. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All true. Didn't All stop true. him from doing his business on or off the court, right? Uh, did a lot of had some real screw ups publicly. Had you know anyway? I'm not I'm not trying to get into comparing the two. Uh, I'm just saying, like, why did Cleveland embrace him? Because he always was looking for a fight. Because he did the feeling dangerous. Because he won the game on Thursday night. Because he went to the Indians game and bit the top off the beer can. Because you saw him at the concerts or whatever, and it was like, man, this is the guy. This is mm-hmm. the guy, right? And. I, you know, that it was football reasons why this didn't work. And there's a lot that goes into it. And like I said, it, I started the part of the reason it took me so long to do my column today, Jason, there's just so many ways to go. It, I had to get it down to a certain number. I wasn't going to write a book. I was going to write a column. Right. Right. Um, right. The Browns wrote the book on how you poorly treat the guy you view as your franchise with constant change with idiot coaches. I mean, this is the 23 year old first pick in the draft and Hugh Jackson won't give him a starters rep in training camp. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> you change coaches, you change the guys around him, change systems, all of this stuff. Like, yeah. Um, what do you have? I four just, head coaches in his first three years. Yeah. You said it very, very clearly. You write what you see. And we were there all the time. Practice games, after games, before the games, seeing it. And it just became very clear that it wasn't going to work. And it's never one thing. It's never all of one guy's fault, but it became very clear. I think the Browns genuinely do have regrets about how they handled it. But what are you supposed to do? And obviously those regrets are going to be intensified if Watson isn't allowed to play for a long time or if this thing continues to follow Watson, which all indications are it are. I mean, the Browns might prove to be, guys, the embarrassing franchise they've been for the last 23 years. They they might be that. We don't know at this point. But Baker Mayfield got himself fired because he didn't perform on the field. And all of the extra stuff was just extra. It came down 
to winning those games, to making those plays, to carrying yourself a certain way, win, lose, or draw. And he didn't do it. And that's why he's there. And and, and he, he's still 26 and has his whole career in front of him. I got a flight in nine hours. I got nothing else to say about Baker. Wish him yeah, well I, don't, I don't either. I guess I'll just write the book. I'll stay up, get some rock stars, <laughs> and just write the book. So. <laughs> I wish him well in Carolina. I wish him no ill will. Uh, we've both written and said some harsh things about him, but I truly I wish him the best as he goes on with his career. I hope he, if it's not Carolina, he lands somewhere and he has a nice, productive career, uh, but it's not going to be in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I would love to talk to John Dorsey right now, but it's not possible. So, yep. uh, guys, thanks for listening and reading. There is a 98% chance that the next time we talk to you will be after the Deshaun Watson decision. And it could be in two days more likely to be in two weeks but I don't know and no one else does that's probably not good for the Browns but we'll see thanks for listening